1: Comedian Joe Kozala is on the show today. I'm excited. I'm a fan and he has a few different projects that are coming out or have already come out. One of them is with our friends over at 800 Pound Gorilla. We love those guys and you just have a lot going on. Thank you for your time and for hanging out today. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, where do you want to start? Because you have a couple different things that you're working on. You have a sketch album that just came out. Now you also have another project that's coming out or getting ready to come out.
0: Um, I, I guess that depends on what you're referring to. Uh, so Yeah, well,
1: there's a few. So I was going through your stuff. Well, why don't you just work down the line and let's talk about. Yeah, um, no,
0: totally, totally. I mean, like, so the, the thing that's really exciting me right now that I did put out with uh, the great comedy label, 800 Pound Gorilla, is this album called Funny Songs and Sketches. Yes. Which is a kind of a throwback to the. Sketch album to the you know whether it's tenacious d or Adam Sandler, this kind of the document of the audio sketch and also the kind of silly songs interspersed, and you know worked really hard on it for the past year or so and was very uh excited to finally have it out there for people to listen to and we are uh you know we've got some music videos that we've released and are continuing to release and uh Yeah, it's been getting a lot of good attention and that's kind of the thing that I'm really out there screaming from the mountaintops about is this uh, this new album.
1: It has to be exciting for you as a comedian and an artist to be able to put something out there, especially if you've been working on it for a long time and then now having people, audiences being able to enjoy it.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I come from a stand-up background primarily which is an extremely immediate response you know and so that is so great and I'm so used to that telling a joke audience laughs if I'm lucky but then when you work on something like this you know you don't get that feedback initially and you have to wait and keep working on this thing and you know what keeps me going as a stand-up is I can get that immediate feedback and feel good and then I don't think about mortality but then when I'm working on this album it's like okay hold on I need to wait we'll get it ready we'll get it ready and then we put it out and then you know you also don't really get the kind of live response you can just you read a nice comment or hopefully someone says something to you in person but it's so it's different
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Well, obviously, yeah, as a comic and if you're performing in front of people, there is that even that initial uh, validation because, you know, depending on how long you've been telling the jokes for and that sort of thing, you just the laughs get better and better. So when you're working on a project like this for you, like, where do you start and how do you decide what's going to go on the album? Because once it's there, it's there.
0: Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's a combination of, you, you know, w- on one hand, you, I try to write more than I need, you okay. know, so I, I get as much stuff out there and then I, I look at it and I see like what's working. I'm lucky to have some collaborators in the process as well to give me, uh, you know, an extra pair of eyes to say like, hey, this is this is working or this needs a little extra care or Maybe not this one. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that I'm lucky to have people who are honest uh, and people who I can really trust, namely a guy named Daniel Clark, who when I make videos, he directs my stuff. But then when I was doing this album, he was recording it. He ended up editing it, and mixing it. Uh, and so he was really instrumental in the process. And then, you know, on the other hand, you kind of look at the stuff and you see like, OK beyond just quality like what fits with each other right Mm. or does this maybe this thing sounds too much like i'm aping tim robinson so let's let's get rid of this let's not uh let's try to keep it uh as original as possible because you know sometimes your influences can come in uh, a little too strongly uh and then you then you have to evaluate and go okay you know what maybe this one isn't saying exactly what i want it to let's let's go uh in this direction that kind of thing so you know it's it's a lot of that's that's one way i approach it and then another thing is just like kind of what do i i try to put myself in the in the shoes of a listener like what do i want to hear what do i feel like isn't Mm. out there as much in the sense of you know if if this is being done to death i want to stay away from it so you know it's taking in all those different factors
1: You mentioned something interesting because I want to talk about it, about your influences, because obviously as a comedian, as a creative, you do have influences, right? Mm -hmm. People that you've looked up to. So how does Joe mitigate that to I mean, I think it might happen just based on conversations I've had. I I have a sidebar here of comics when they start like they're Mm -hmm. mimicking almost people uh, to a degree. Not yeah. that you're doing that, but do you get my point though? It's like, now you've been doing this for a while, but you still have those influences. Like, how do you mitigate that so you don't wind up doing what you mentioned?
0: Yeah, Not no, that you're I mean, not
1: joke stealing or premise theft, but just kind of like sounding like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, why do, yeah? Why, you know, grapes, but no nuts or whatever. I don't know.
0: That's a horrible
1: <laughs> impression.
0: <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, the... Any person... I think kind of in any creative field, but I can speak to comedy, obviously you, when you are starting out, you are pulling from a bunch of different sources, whether you are doing it intentionally or not. Usually it's subconsciously, right? Right. You've developed a sense of humor based on the TV shows and the movies and the comedians that you've watched and loved. They, and I would say for a lot of people, that stuff informs the way you speak even beyond the art that you're creating. Right. Mm. So we are all uh, this kind of rainbow of uh, influences that then culminate in who you are. And so, you know, I think it's important to be aware of uh, those things. So you don't go, so you can catch yourself if you're like, Hey, I'm going, uh, I feel like I'm maybe talking a little bit like Mitch Hedberg or like this, you know, this thing is, is showing up a little too hard, but I okay. think that, I think naturally, though, over the the years of kind of developing your own voice, which I think just kind of happens through practice, through repetition, through doing shows, through continuing to write, through listening to the audience and and feeling what they respond about what you are doing and then, you know, adapting likewise – Uh, I think in general, then all those uh, influences synthesize into your voice, into your persona. And then you don't have to think about it as much. But um, at the same rate, you do want to uh, you want to be aware of. Like I said, there literally was a sketch I wrote and I was like, you know what? I think I might be going too far in a Tim Robinson direction. And, you know, interesting that's one of the most I, I would say like especially among my circles like the most known and celebrated sketch things that's happened in the past you know five or ten years and so you don't you don't want to find yourself doing that and sometimes it's like no like, like I said you don't know you're doing it but it's just like <laughs> so um enticing subconsciously because it's so fun and so so great and you start pulling from that but you, I think you know having a and also, again, having additional voices and in, in, in eyes and ears is helpful. Like, you know, I sent that to some people and I was like, do l- listen to this and then let me ask you a question about it to see, like, am I crazy or is this, you know, <laughs> I this love it. not where I want it to be, you know?
1: Right. Well, that has been quite the kerfuffle over the years for comedians. And I myself have had one very popular comedian who has battled that forever, for 15 years. I won't say their name, but people know who it is, and I caught a lot of heat, but also got a lot of positive feedback for this person uh, simply because of just who they are. I think it's interesting. That's why I always say to every comedian that I speak to, and I've spoken to a lot, I've been very fortunate, present company included, in the fact that what you do is so unique and so different than what anybody else does. Like if you're an actor, you have influences, you work hard. If you watch a film, you see a director's influences like you, if they're a fan of this or that, you might see tinges of that, but as a comic and as a sketch artist, I imagine it's, is it a constant battle to just check yourself or have you gotten to a place where you feel comfortable enough that you can do what you just suggested uh vetting the material with friends that you trust who aren't going to be yes people.
0: Yeah, I mean I would say one of the things that helps me is my default position when I when I write stuff and when I'm I'm trying to come up with ideas is it's important to me to try and come up with things that are original. Gotcha. Uh and I think most creative people I would hope the probably the ones that I gravitate towards are coming at their art with the similar approach, which is that um, if you see something cool, you're like, that's great. That's that person's, as opposed to being like, I wanted, it. I want to do that. Right. And so that's always something I'm thinking about is like, I don't think I've seen this before. And that's always a good place to start. Like, I don't feel like anybody has done this particular area of, of life when it comes to stand-up. Or like if we go back to the album, it's like, okay, I don't think I've seen anybody do a song, a comedy song that sounded like the Smiths. And so yeah. that's one place that I started from is like, uh, that's music that I listen to, but I don't feel like I've noticed anybody from a comedy song point of view has done that or has done Jimmy Buffett or has... You know, because that's how I approached the songs on the album was, you know, it's it's a similar but slightly different thing when you're doing style parodies. Because in this case, you do want to derive from music for comedy, which it's funny. You don't want to derive from comedy for comedy and you don't want to derive from music for music. But if you're doing something that is intentionally meant to parody a style, then the very thing we're saying comedians shouldn't do and should stay away from is allowed because then it becomes commentary on the thing it's like right. parody. Like weird satire, would be style
1: right? parody for
0: sure right and so as as we were discussing this that occurred to me I was like oh yeah that's it's funny the one thing you don't want to do
1: in <laughs> comedy
0: if you're doing comedy music is actually a very fruitful uh endeavor
1: right like if you did like the Adam Sandler one. I don't want to say it, the POS car. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Like, that'd be like, Hey, that's a little derivative of Adam Sandler or goat boy, you know, stuff that's like Jim Brewer style. Well, I find you very fascinating because I've watched a lot of your clips. Have you been to Colorado before in Denver and performed here?
0: Oh yeah. I, I love Denver. I think Denver has one of the great independent comedy scenes in the country. I have, I have, and it's been a while since I've been there, but especially when I was like kind of coming up, starting to get a little bit felt like I was good enough to leave LA and go somewhere, but not uh, uh, kind of accomplished enough to headline, say like the comedy works or something. I was very fortunate to be able to go to Denver have there's like kind of a network of comedians there who who produce shows independent shows that are really good and you know this happened to me several times they would set me up with basically a full week's worth of great shows not just in denver but throughout the area did
1: you ever do the verboten verboten brewery or anything with dan bublins okay so we know the same people dan and jeff that produced those uh, shows david
0: rodriguez in particular was oh yeah yeah at the fort was the guy who would okay. uh, bring me up to okay. uh, his shows in Fort Collins. And then Love I it. would do Brent Gill show in Boulder. The Boulder comedy show was really I, one of the best shows I feel like I've ever done was always, always so fun. Um, and then, you know, there, there were always just like, you know, go to Longmont or go to, uh, you know, Colorado Leveland, Where
1: I'm at and play at a pizza, slice and pizza. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. The comedy boom here in Colorado, it's insane.
0: Yeah, I I really, you know, that reminds me that I, I really do have to get back because I have had, you know, I always felt like the audiences were so great. And also the shows just really treated the comics really well, you know, to go to, and do kind of these independent shows, whether they're in a yoga studio or a brewery or whatever, and get paid, get drinks, and then sometimes get a meal. It was really like it kind of it blew me away. And like I, I going to Denver was very uh always a, an important stop. When I did my Comedy Central special, I made sure to go to Denver a few weeks before I filmed so that I could get in front of really great real audiences, several several shows a night and really just like hammer out the details and get that thing in, in good shape.
1: That's interesting. My friend, Jeff Albright, who along with his producing partner, Dan Bublitz, uh, who do like the verboten shows and all Mm. the brewery shows here in Loveland and Fort Collins. One of their jokes is, we live off of meal and drink tickets. Like that's kind of our totally. thing when, especially when they do verboting and they get free food and drinks <laughs> for performing, uh, it's or like it's, even, it's not into, the norm. Yeah. It's not Loveland. The norm. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I mean, I have some of the best show I've, I've been to recently, obviously the comedy Ford is a great spot, but just here in Loveland, uh, my friends who produce these shows, um, you know, it's a and brewery. They've got a big show on Wednesday, like six comics, $7 to come see some of the best comedians in the corridor. I don't know if you're familiar with some of these guys and gals, but Sam Sisson, I mean, she, some of these people are massive and, you know, headline comedy works. Uh, but also do these great shows. I could talk about this with you for hours. I, I think it's just so interesting. So you mentioned something going back on our conversation about finding your voice. Mm-hmm. At what point in your career, uh, Joe, did you find your voice and really settle into who you are, uh, either as a comic or a sketch artist?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. There are different, uh, stages and points in my career where I felt like I had it figured out. Okay. And then, and then a few years later, I would be like, Oh no, 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 no. Now I have it figured out. I thought I was, uh, really tapping into something, but now, now I've got it, you know? And so it's funny how, how those cycles happen where it's like, Oh, I thought I was, I thought I was great. I was, I wasn't anything. Um, I want to say it took, you know, not quite 10 years, maybe hey. something like maybe something like eight, though, where I felt like for the first time I was getting like, I, you know, at different stages, like you do well, but it's all relative. You know, and I started out in in, in Chicago where uh, the audiences are very, very, I think, forgiving and, and very uh, they're hot, you know, they, they're they're they're. Uh, kind. And uh, that's good when you're starting out, you know, because you You need that. (laughs) Yeah. You can be deluded into thinking like, you know, I've got something going on and that's enough to propel you to keep going. Uh, And, you know, so I had different stages of that in Chicago and then I moved to L.A. and then, you know, had different felt like I was, you know, I hit it really hard because I knew people who had moved from Chicago to L.A. who ostensibly quit because they couldn't handle the transition. I was very, very mindful of that. And so I really hit L.A. hard and I kind of Started from the bottom again because I knew that was something uh, a lot of my peers were not. Uh, they couldn't swallow their pride to do that. So anyway, you know, I, I and so I just I worked back up and I felt like it was maybe, you know, I'd done like four year, four or five years in Chicago and then maybe another three or four years in L.A. And then I felt like and it was right before all this Comedy Central stuff started to happen to me as I felt like the wheels really started turning. I started getting I, I was really like. had some jokes that were, I was like, okay, this is connecting in a way that I thought I was killing before, but I, no, I was not. Now I feel, I feel, I feel good. You know?
1: I love that. Yeah. You mentioned comedy central. You were part of that boom, so to speak of getting the specials. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just had on uh, Josh Schneed who was part of that thing did you do albums on comedy central's record label or were you kind of at the end of that when they sort of dissipated after the roast moved to the comedy store and they started producing their own stuff
0: yeah you know i i did not do an album with comedy central i think uh i was i was lucky to be the last Run of yeah TV half hour specials for Comedy Central. They just such an not, iconic period of time. I I know, and you know that's the stuff I grew up on, and that's the you know that was such a goal, and and like a validating thing in my career of like oh yeah, I grew up watching Comedy Central presents. All my favorite comedians did the Comedy Central presents, and I get to do one, and it's not you know they do them now for the internet, and I think that's really cool, and that's probably a great way to get you know, the modern audience to, to follow and and get to know these comedians, but it was really special that I, I got to do the TV special, you know, the half hour on comedy central cable package, the, the real deal. And that was, uh, that was really great. I think by that time they weren't doing as many. They used to like pick some of the specials to do albums, and I think they weren't. I don't know. It, it was a bunch of behind the scenes stuff that I wasn't one hundred percent privy to. But I, I just think uh, I I don't know that they were doing as many stand up albums as they used to at that point. But I got the special, and I was I was uh, happy with what I got.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, one last question or two here. I mean, you've had very measurable success. At what point in your career? Or how have you in your career felt the most validated? Has it been by getting albums out? Has it been by your peers? What helps you feel validated the most at this point?
0: It's a great question. Thank you. I have have to go back to this this album and making it because I wanted to uh, include special guests uh, in these sketches, right? Because it can't just be me talking to myself. <laughs> and, you know, that's it. That's a it's a good way to market the thing as well to say who's on it. And I felt it was so validating that I reached out to some comedians who I really admire uh, to be on it. And they all said yes, which which felt like, OK, they've seen my stuff. They trust that I know what I'm doing, they like me, they think I'm funny. And these these are people like David Cross and Nick Kroll and Al Madrigal and Patton Oswalt, like people wow. who I, you know, when I was wanting to get into stand-up, even before then, when I was just a fan of stand-up, these were the people who were really, really important to me. And, you know, that the the list goes on, and I just feel so fortunate that these people were like, Yeah, absolutely, I'll. I'll be a part of this thing. If you're doing it, yeah, let's let's go. And it was like, okay, I this is not something. And I felt like if I didn't have the body of work, they would have been like, who are you? I, I don't know. But that was extremely validating. And all those people are on the album and are, are really, really funny.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, talking about name drops, there's some massive people on this. And that helps you and social proofing. I mean, you've already had success, but to have them say yes and go, we want to do this. Like, that's a big deal. And, and totally, that, that's totally cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, and I even mentioned like Andy Richter's on the album where it's like, I mean, that was a guy, how many hours of television have I watched where, where he's, you know, it's, it was just really, really, really something to, to get that and to have that and to, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's validating, it's elevating, it's, it's really, uh, it almost makes me emotional.
1: Almost, but <laughs> almost, but you all know, keep it together. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so if people want to listen, get it, and follow you, where is the best place, Joe?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, the album is everywhere. You get albums, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, whatever. It's called Funny Songs and Sketches. Uh, and I, you know, all the links to that stuff are on my socials uh, at Joe Kwa, J-O-E-K-W-A on Instagram and TikTok. And I am still on Twitter at Joe K, Joe K. And you'll find, you know, all those places have my link tree that has like my website where you can get the album, where you can come see me live, where you can watch the music videos. There's a ton of stuff. I have a ton of video sketches out there as well. If you're looking to kill some time, I have got uh, everything you'll need. So uh, one stop shop.
1: Love it, Joe. Congratulations. And thank you for your time
0: today. Thank you so much, Brett. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely.